got lots of room to grow. Amen? And I'm, I just don't put I'm not going to go with the old standards that if you're 80% full, you'll quit growing. That's just don't even, that's don't go there, okay? That's like saying that when the summer comes that everybody quits giving. Or when the summer comes, uh, nobody comes to church in the summertime. I just don't buy into that stuff. And it's never happened here. We've always just been, God just been blessed us. Or when the, when the economy's down, that your giving will go down. Guess what? Don't buy into the stuff. That's a lie of the enemy. Because when the economy went down, our giving went up here. Because people know that if you're going to sow, you want to sow into life. And when you're sowing into life, then life comes back on you. God blesses you for that. So the enemy, he has all his little tricks. And, and so many of them have gotten into the church. is kind of sad. This morning, I want to talk to you about fill in the blanks. Um, How many of you have ever filled out a resume? What do you put on your resume? Whatever they want to hear. Oh, we got an honest person here. Yeah, I know how to put a rocket together. Sure. Calculus, oh, yeah. Yeah, whatever you need. So we, we do resumes. A lot of you have done resumes. You've already shown, us, shown me that. But what, normally you put down what, you, what you're good at. You don't really put down the bad stuff, do you? I've had guys say, well, Pastor, should I put down that I was in prison? And I said, yeah, you should put that down. Be honest on your resume. But we all want to do, our, our, we all wanna do the, the things that make us look good because uh, we're going after a certain job. So we, we're pretty good about filling out those things and filling in all the blanks. Okay? You go to a job application, you fill in the blanks, right? And so God, this is what God's laid on my heart. This was Monday morning. I'm I'm praying, God, what do you want me to speak about? And I'm turning down the street. This is how I get my messages. Sometimes they're they're here and there and yawn and and something I've read. Or it just, but God quickened my spirit. Hadn't even thought about it all, but it's fill in the blanks. See, God wants you to give him a piece of paper with your resume, but it's empty. And God, you want to say, God, I want you to fill in the blanks of my resume. I want you to fill in my life for me. Show me what you want me to do. Give me direction in my life. Fill me. Give me, give me what you want me to have, Lord, not what I want to have. And so God is asking you this morning, uh, will you, or, or I'm asking you this morning, would you allow God to fill in the blanks of your life? Would you allow him to actually speak into your life? Or would you, are you going to close everything off from God and do your own thing? Now, listen, this apostle Paul, his, first, his name in, in uh in Hebrew name was Saul. His Roman name was Paul, okay? That, that wasn't, you know, I studied that. I used to think that God named him Paul, but God didn't name him Paul. He already had that name. He had the name Saul and Paul. And so I'm looking at that, and Saul was, is that, the reason it's from is Hebrew because, you know, from King Saul, they named people after kings. And so he was named after a king, apparently. And so Saul was, he had a job. He had a mission in life. And as a Pharisee, as a son of a Pharisee, as, a, as a, a very educated man, he had this mission in life. And when Jesus came on the scene, and that was to disrupt everything Jesus stood for. He came, to, he came against God. He came against Jesus. He came against everything that Jesus stood for. He said no to that. He said when they stoned Stephen, when they brought this, this young man and he gave his testimony before the court, they said take him out inside the street, outside the city, and stone him. And the guy that was the, the bearer of the coats was Paul or Saul himself. He was the one that he was like at uh, checking your coat in here so you can go to the stoning. He was a keeper of the, of the garments, in other words, so these guys could be free to throw a rock. 
to throw a stone at Stephen. And he was the first martyr as a Christian. Stephen was the first martyr. And it says in Acts, Acts chapter 7, uh, they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and they ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Listen, I don't think he even felt one of those rocks hit him. God just took him. And Saul was standing there saying, yeah, that's good. Kill that guy. He was standing there also when, when Stephen cried out, for, don't, for, uh, don't hold this sin against them. He was impacted that day, and he had a choice to make that day of how he would respond to the gospel. And he made a bad choice that day. He said, I'm against Jesus Christ. I'm for religion. I am for the Pharisees that crucified Jesus Christ. And if you look at chapter, Acts chapter 8, it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. But look at verse 3. I want you to check this verse. As for Saul... He made havoc, say made havoc, of the church. He made havoc of the church. This infant church, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them into prison. And guess what happened to them in prison? You know what happened to them in prison, Basil? They were killed. He had people that were serving Jesus, arrested. He would go and arrest them, and he would take them to prison. Men and women that lost their their children were left at home, and he took these men and women and put them in jail. This was the man that we now call the great apostle Paul. I just want to give you a little history. Some of you don't know, and I don't want to presume that you know about all these Bible characters, these men of God, because he was not always a man of God. But listen, I want to tell you this. He had a mission. He had a purpose. Man, he was going to do something. He was going to do it well, even if it was the wrong thing. You know people like that? They're men, they've got purpose. Even if it's the wrong thing, they're going to do the wrong thing really good. And that's what Paul was going to do. That's what Saul was going to do. He was going to go after these Christians. Now look at Acts chapter 9. Turn to Acts chapter 9. If we can't get the scriptures up today, you need to follow in the Bible. Okay, and we have Bibles all under the... Under the chair. So you need to grab a Bible this morning. A Bible? You mean I'm going to put it on the screen? I'm going to read it. <laughs> Aren't we kind of spoiled? Man, I am. I, I, I want to put it on the screen. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Old-fashioned preaching this morning. You're going to have to look it up. I want to show you some things about Saul. It's just going to, I think you're going to understand even more so about your own purpose. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And he asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. So that if he found any who were of the way, say the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now the way was one of the early names for the church. So there used to be a church here in San Angelo called the way of the cross. 
Y'all remember that? Some of y'all probably attended there. It's called the Way of the Cross. One of the early uh, descriptions for the name of the church, because I guess we always have to give it a name, it was the Way. And he was going after those people who were of the Way. Now, it's funny that Paul had this mission to go after people of the Way, and he was going to do it his way. Now, that sound like us. We're going to do it our way, and sometimes our way contradicts the way. He had this mission. He was bound and determined to do this mission of his life was to arrest people of the way and have them arrested and thrown into prison and later in, and killed. But listen to how the, the, the writer of Acts, which was Luke, he was, in a, he was a physician. He says this, Paul, uh, Saul was breathing threats and murder against the disciples. So what was Saul's life about? Up to this point, what was his life about? Death. Okay? His life, now, here's the thing. You're going to see yourself in Saul, and you're going to see yourself in Paul, hopefully. You see, before Christ, we're all about death. Y'all understand that? Before Christ, we're all about death. The Bible says that we are dead in our transgressions. Before Christ, you were dead. I was dead. The Pope was dead. Billy Graham was dead. Everybody before Christ was dead. Dead in their transgressions. That's why you, we use the term sometimes as preachers, uh, dead men walking. It's a, it's a term used in prisons but for a man that's about to go to the, uh, get the needle or, or get the noose or get the electric chair or get gassed. He's a dead man walking because even though he's alive, man, they already con- they've already concluded that he's dead. Listen, before Christ, we've already been concluded as dead. We have no hope without Christ. Nobody has hope without Jesus Christ. Do you all understand that? Okay. As he, verse 3, as he, that Saul, journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This was the day that Saul had an encounter with a living God. Now, I want you to think about this for yourself this morning. Remember your encounter, your first encounter with him. How many of you can remember your first encounter with God? Now, a lot of people will inject here and infer here that God knocked him down. It doesn't say that, does it? It said there was a bright light, it shone, and he fell to the ground. A lot of people think that God went and slapped him off the donkey. You know, I've heard him say that he was riding a donkey or, or a horse, and then God just went, bam, knocked him down. Some of us need that. <laughs> Listen, if that's what you need, if you're not, if you're not where you're supposed to be, just say, let God just knock me down. Get my attention. Well, God wants to, he wants to get your attention this morning. He got Saul's attention on this day. He had all these guys riding with him. It's like, like Saul and his posse, you know, just going to Damascus. Got his warrants. Have gun, will travel. Paladin. Some of the younger people go, uh, what's he talking about? He was on his way to do something that was very evil. See, everybody here before Christ, you're on your way somewhere. Everybody has a mission. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody, even if they don't recognize that it's Christ, everybody's going somewhere. So, here's, here's the question, the first question I have for you this morning. 
where are you headed today? If your life just continues to go in the path that you're going today, where will it end up from five years from now, 10 years or 20 years, if God allows you to live that long? Just think about that. Can you, can you do that in your mind? Can you kind of trail out where you're heading? I know where y'all are heading, to marriage. You kind of already got some pictures of things going on, right? And this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Three kids. We're going to have a house. We're going to have two cars. And uh, everybody going to be bliss. Some of you got some plans, right? You kind of know. You've got an idea where you're heading. Do y'all know where you're heading, Daryl and Shell? Where's Shell? Did she head that way? And you're... I mean, I, I talk to people that are about to get married, and, and, you know, they don't have a clue usually. All they just know is we love. We just love. I just love him. That'll just do it. That's all we need is love. So Saul is on his way, and the bright light shines, and he knows there's something up. I don't think they talked about aliens much back then. But remember, this is during the daytime. The light was so bright in the daytime. That's how bright Jesus Christ is. He's already ascended. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's making a special visit to Saul. Saul's down on the ground. And he says in verse 5, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Ask yourself this question this morning. Who's God to you? Who's Jesus to you? I heard that uh, the best way to ask somebody about their salvation is not, is, are you saved? Because a lot of people go, what? I didn't know I was lost, you know? It's not, are you saved? But the best way to find out somebody's relationship to Jesus Christ is asking this question, who's Jesus to you? Just ask them that question. Who's Jesus to you? Because a lot of people, they are there, if they don't know Christ, they're like, well, he's, uh, he's that guy that hung on the cross at Easter. <laughs> or he is, uh, you know, they'll start coming, well, I, I believe in God. I believe in God. Yeah, I believe in God. I got that one down. I believe in God. But who's Jesus to you? Well, I don't know. I've read some stories about him, and I know a little bit about him. But who is he to you? Listen, the answer's got to be he's my Lord. He's my Savior. And if you can't answer that this morning, you don't know him. It's that plain and that simple. Even the demons believe in God. Okay? The devil believes in God, man. The devil knows God really well. So this morning, I'm going to ask you, I'm I'm wanting you to ask yourself these questions. Where are you headed? Who is God? Who is Jesus Christ to you? Where are you going? What's, What's your purpose in life? And then the Lord said after Saul so eloquently said that from the dirt, The Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Now, I grew up not around many goats. Didn't know what a goat was. I knew what a gourd was, but not a goat. Anybody know what a goat is? Okay. Nobody knows what a goat is? Come on. Yeah. Okay, let me give you an idea of this. When you read these scriptures, you go, just don't let it go slide over. Get your... Get on the internet or get your Bible commentary. Find out what they're talking about here. This was a farming term. It was like the ox. They have this ox, and you've got a guy going behind the ox, and you got the plow there, and you're going down the field, and the ox starts getting off the trail. The, the farmer would take a long stick with a sharp point in it, kind of like some of your mothers have, and 
you know, and just bam, hit, your, hit the heels and get you back on track. Anybody ever been knocked back on track by God? And it hurt. It stung. And that's what the oxen, that's what the stick was. Tap, 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 tap. Oh, yeah, buddy. Okay, I'm getting back in line here. No, no, okay, I'm getting back in. See, that's why God wants us. He's trying to nudge you back to the right direction. And that's why he was saying, you're kicking. Listen, if an ox got really upset with a guy kicking, you know, with a stick, he just start kicking. Guess what? When you kick against something sharp, it hurts worse. So if you're kicking against God, if you're fighting God, if you're rebelling against God, it's going to hurt you worse. It's just not smart. Matter of fact, we're equated with ox. <laughs> You've heard the old term, dumb as an ox. Sometimes, duh, we're not so smart. We're fighting God, and God's saying, listen, I'm just trying to get you, keep you from falling off the side of the cliff. And he's trying to goad you. He's trying to put you back. And he's telling, he's telling Saul, man, it's hard for you. To, you're kicking against the goads. And he also said this. I think this is interesting because a lot of us, we just go back, we go past this. But he said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now, what in the world does that mean? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He's already been to the cross. He's already been resurrected. How can you persecute Jesus up there? Man, he's Jesus. He's God. How can, he, how can we persecute him? You know how we persecute Jesus? When we persecute Christians. When we put other Christians down, when we slander Christians, when we give Christians, when we do everything in our power to hurt them, we are slandering, we are persecuting Jesus. You know why? Because we are in him and he is in us. We are one with Christ. Listen, we need to watch our words when we're talking about other believers. We need to put a guard on our mouth when we're talking about other people and putting them down or making fun of them or whatever we're doing. Because listen, when you're persecuting them, you're persecuting Jesus. That's a wake-up call for some of us. I think it would be safe to say that Jesus got Saul's attention. And, and the thing about it is, I, see, I always visualize. I've got a little video thing going on here. I've got the movie going. Any of y'all do that when you're reading this story like a book? You can see it played out in Technicolor. It's kind of what I'm doing. I'm seeing all these guys in... Here's his, here's his associates, his posse. What is he doing underground? Who's he talking to? See, they couldn't see it. They couldn't hear God's voice. And they were like make, probably making fun of him. <laughs> I thought we were going to go arrest some people. He can't, even, he can't even ride a horse. What's wrong with him? See, that's what your non-Christian buddies will say to you. Right? If you're associating yourself with the other, the non-believers, if that's your associations and you say, listen, I'm talking to God, guess what they're going to say? <laughs> okay, we need to get him on some medication. Verse 6. Probably not going to get through much of this today. This is Saul. He's trembling and astonished. And he says this, Lord, what do you want me to do? Can you say that with me? Lord, what do you want me to do? 
You humble yourself. You've been fighting God all your life. And I know when I was 17 years old in Shreveport, Louisiana, at the First Church of God, that my uncle was the pastor of. I couldn't tell you what he preached on that Sunday, but I know I had this kadump, the dump, the dump, the dump in my heart. I knew that beyond, I knew that the that the Holy Spirit was bringing such more so powerful a conviction on me that I couldn't stand where I was standing. I, I could not stop from going forward when they said. Who would, who would want to accept Christ today? Listen, I'd been raised in church all my life. 17 years of playing church. 17 years of being the, in the youth group. 17 years uh, of pretending on, we, on Sunday and not pretending so good on the rest of the week. And it came on that Sunday that I... Man, I hit my knees. I, I, I ran to the altar practically, and I hit my knees, and I began to weep because there was a godly sorrow in me because I had been kicking against the goats. I had been rebelling against the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I had been making a mockery of Christianity. I said, I'll do it my way, God. I'll do it my way. And God said, okay, Harold, I'll let you go. I'll let you do your own thing. But listen, there's going to come a day of reckoning. There's a day of reckoning coming for everybody. Do y'all believe that? Listen, we can only go our own way so long and God's going to say enough's enough. You don't hear this preached much anymore, but God demands that we give our life to him in a way out of love. He says, listen, there is one way. There is one way. I want to make it really simple for you. There's just one way, Harold, and it's through Jesus Christ. And then when we come to him, When we have that encounter with the living God, you'll know it. I think one of the greatest errors in the church today is we have them pray a little simple prayer and nothing changes in their life. Maybe you were one of those people. You prayed a prayer. You you watched it on TV and you prayed a prayer, but nothing changed. You didn't change. Listen, you didn't encounter God. If you encounter God, the living God, you will change. Do y'all believe that? You won't want to do what you used to do. You won't keep doing the same things over and over and over. You won't feel comfortable sinning. You won't feel comfortable in the presence of God. Because when you come to his presence, just like Saul, you'll hit the ground. You'll say, have mercy on me. I think sometimes we've just made becoming a Christian so comfortable. Here, just sign this paper, man. You're you're in. There's no repentance, there's no sorrow, there's no, there's no conviction, and you just do it because you saw somebody else. I'm, I can't tell you how many people that I've baptized, they said, well, I got baptized when I was a kid, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Is that Any of y'all can get a witness from you? I was baptized before I was a Christian. I went into some water, and guess what? I came out just like I went in. There's nothing in that water, we're going to baptize today, there's nothing in that water that's I mean, it's city water. (laughs) That is a miracle that we'll put somebody in our city water. It's so got so much stuff in it, you could almost walk on it. No fear, right? No fear. Yeah, oh, thank you. All right, I'll speak cleansing over our water. Man, I'm not even in track where I was supposed to be, so... 
Well, I know where I'm at in the scripture. It's just where I'm at in the whole thought process. When it says he fell trembling and astonished, that word trembling and astonished, those two words mean terrified, frightened, but also amazed. I like that. You go and do the Greek. It means terrified, ah, frightened, oh, but amazed, oh. It's all of those. That's what happens when you come to the presence of God. You get all that. Listen, if you don't fear God, it's the beginning of wisdom, the fear of God. And we don't even teach that much anymore. You know, it's just like my dad. He said, I brought you in the world. I can take you out. <laughs> we need to have a godly fear, a healthy godly fear of God, a reverential fear of God. Lord, what do you want me to do? Last Wednesday night, how many of you were here Wednesday night? Man, we've been showing these awesome teachings from Robert Morris. He's talking about being equipped. But one of the things that stuck out to me, and this is what I felt like I should share here, was, was that, you know, some of us are, are, are we, we stand back and we're not stepping into the calling God has on our life because we feel like we don't have it all together. And God never called us to have it all together. Okay? He did ask us to be available. You know, we, and so true in the church mentality, we want to call people that have ability. But listen, the first thing we should be calling people, especially as a leadership, is to call people that are faithful. Just to be faithful. Because, see, God will give you the ability. The ability will come from Him. He just asks you to be available to Him. That's, that's, that's the question this morning. Would you ask God, fill in the blanks, Lord. What, what do you want me to do? I don't have much to give you. What I have is this. Here I am. I, I don't have these gifts that a lot of people talk about, but I hear what I do. I have, I have is, is me, and I just give you me. I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Listen, that's why we raise our hands sometimes in worship, because we're surrendering. And he just wants you to be available to him this morning. I remember the old saying, God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. That goes back again to the resume. Well, God, I'm this, this, and this. I have this gift. I have that gift. I can really do this in the kingdom. I can really help this church out. Listen, I can bring this to the body. I need da-da-da-da-da-da. And he said, listen, shut up. Are you going to be faithful in the little things first? Are you going to be willing to clean the toilets or paint the building, or, or do something that's low and it's not a high-position, high-flying, starring job? Are you willing to do that first? Are you willing to be a servant first? Listen, if we have 300 people that are here that are just servants, woo! can you imagine what would happen, Casey, in this city? If all you did, you just left your day, so how, who, can I, who can I serve? Who can I serve in Jesus' name? Saul was on his way. He said, I've got, a, I've got a mission. I've got my purpose, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to do it really good. And God says, uh, 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 not so fast. I've got a mission for you, and it's going to require submission. In the beginning, that submission, the picture of submission for Saul was on his face in the dirt where God could really begin to shape him and mold him. Psalm eighteen twenty seven says, you, have, you save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. 
Saul was kind of haughty. A lot of people, we talk about the thorn in the flesh of Saul, or Paul, you know, the, talks about he has a thorn in his flesh, and he said three times he prayed that God would remove it, and God didn't. And, and I've heard everybody, every preacher's got their own interpretation of that. And this is probably not, you know, this is just me. But when I read about Saul or Paul, I always came up with the idea that, man, he was pretty braggadocious. He was kind of the thumbs in the... That's why I wore my jacket. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Jew of Jews. Man, he was taught by Gamaliel. He, he, man, he was good. Man, he was, he was up in the community. He was a leader. And I think he struggled with that all of his Christian life. Because he would say, if you will just check the word out, I boast not of myself. I boast not. I boast not. But I do boast in Jesus Christ. I think he always had to be reminded that I've got to boast about Jesus Christ because really without him, I am nothing. And I think he had to be corrected or in, in his spirit many times because I think he would, he would want to step out and do some things. And in his flesh, he, if you read Romans, he had a lot of struggles there. But I think a lot of times he was just dealing with the fact that he had all this education. He could see things being done in a, in a proper way. But God would say, no, let's do it the Spirit's way. See, we got churches today that are operating without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? You can do church. You can grow a church without the presence of God. You can just have the right programs. You can have the right lights and the best band and all the, the bells and whistles, and you can leave God totally out the picture, and people can come in and go, wow, that was cool. I was entertained, and they can go, and they can continue to live the life that they were living without any impact on the world. Whoo, that's a lot coming out one time. Y'all know what I'm saying? You understand that? You agree? You can do church without God. You just can. There was another guy in the Bible that had an encounter, and this is probably where it all close. Do what? You just don't. You just you just come in and do a man thing. Just come do your man thing. Do your program. Sing your songs, not be impacted. Man gets glory instead of God. That's right. Good question. There was another guy. Listen, I'm talking about encounters this morning, and if you're willing to fill in the blanks. Saul was willing to allow God to speak to him that day, right? So what do you want me to do, Lord? I recognize I'm in trouble here. I need something. There was another guy who was called the rich young ruler, and it's in Mark chapter 10. He also had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus was, had not gone to heaven yet. He was still on earth, but he, everybody knew who he was, okay? He had healed people. He had done great miracles. And this man, man, I, I like the picture that I saw. I don't know if it's Max Lucado or somebody wrote about it. The rich young ruler pulls up in a limo. It's kind of the idea, the, the picture you get. He's like, all right, let me out here. There's the guy. I need to talk to that man. He's pretty famous. I just want to go let him know I'm here. And he shows up, and he gets out of the limo, and he struts up to you. Hey, Jesus, here I am. I am the rich young ruler. Look at my car. Look at my women. Look at my entourage. Kind of the attitude he might have had. And he said, man, what do I need to get, a, what, what do I need to get connected with you, Jesus? I just want to, man, I've heard some good things about you. How can I hook up with you? And Jesus said, well, you just need to keep the commandments. Oh, oh. Here we have the little pride rising up in God. First thing he said, well, I've kept all the commandments since I was a little kid. I got it all together, Jesus. Look. Look at my stuff. What are you talking to me like that? I've kept the commandments. 
Now look at what he says. I love this verse. It's a beautiful verse in verse 21, Mark 10, 21. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, there's just one thing you lack. Just one thing. Go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Oh, oh, and then come and take up the cross and follow me. Encounter with Jesus, encounter with the living God, instructions what to do with his life. Why did Jesus tell him to sell his stuff? That's what had him. His stuff was his God. He said, just sell it all. Give it to the poor. He didn't just say sell it and put it in the bank. He said, give it away. (laughs) Give it to the poor, and then you're going to have treasure in heaven. Thinking with a natural mind, as this guy had to be doing at that time, he's thinking, I'm rich. He looks pretty poor. I've heard people say he doesn't even have a home. He didn't have a place. He just borrows people's houses. I heard he was just the son of a carpenter, and I would give all that up to, to follow this guy. Have you heard about his disciples? Some of them are tax collectors. Some of them are just fishermen. I ain't going to hang out with that guy. It would just sure ruin my reputation. See, he had an encounter with God, didn't he? God gave him a choice. God said, this is the way to eternal life. This is what's going to really make you fulfilled. This is what's really going to make you rich. Give it all up. Follow me. And I love it because Jesus said he loved him when he said that. Listen, Jesus loves you so much this morning, he'll give you a hard message. So you'll begin to wonder, hey, what's first in my life? What am, I, what am I putting my heart in? Where, what's my destination right now if I keep going the way I am? What's my resume? Am I filling my resume up with me? Or is it all about Christ? And the rich young ruler, I can imagine he called the girls over and said, Hey, girls, let's go. Let's get out of here. I can't do this. That guy's nuts. He wants me to. Can you imagine how they laughed at him? what he wanted him to do. And he went away sad, the Bible said. He was sorrowful. He had great possessions. Didn't want to let go of them. This morning as we close, I want you, um, before we get ready for baptism, I want you to know God doesn't get everybody's attention like he did Saul's. I didn't see a bright light. Anybody here see a bright light? Okay, I mean, I'm not saying it can't happen. I didn't see a bright light. I didn't hear a voice come out of heaven. Anybody hear the voice come out of heaven? You know where I heard the voice? <laughs> here, real loud. It might as well have been right here because I heard him. How many of you heard Jesus Christ calling you? He was clear, wasn't it? So if you want, want what I've got, give me everything you have. Check it in. Get rid of it. Come and follow me. That's what he's asking you this morning. Here's your encounter today. If you don't know Christ, and some of you here this morning, maybe you don't know Christ. Here's your encounter. I am the mouthpiece of God. That's, I'm not bragging. 
Believe me, I'm not bragging about that. I told Mary Lou I came in here after we'd put in 50 more chairs. And I just walked through the double doors where Rickard's standing. And the lights were kind of down. And it was, I was by myself. I told this to the praise team. I just walked in and I looked and looked at all these chairs. And I'm going, wow. God, that's a lot of responsibility. Not for the chairs, just for the people in the chairs. I would be afraid not to preach the truth. I fear God, like Ron Campbell said, I fear God a lot more than I fear you guys. Y'all can drag me outside and stone me, but listen, I fear God. That's why sometimes the message for me, and most of the time it's, it's very pointed. It's very in your face. It's not la, 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 God bless you, everybody, and y'all go do what you want to do. It's, it's not that. You know why it's not that? Because that's not what the Word says. So here's the deal. I am the mouthpiece of God, and maybe you're Saul this morning, and you're headed in a direction that's not godly. It's not God's way. Matter of fact, you're rebelling against God. You're kicking against the goads. And this word is trying to bring you back. Y'all getting me? Maybe it's for those of you who are Christians, and you're doing your own thing. You're walking your own way, and God's word this morning is just kicking you, and it's just tapping you. He said, you need to get your life straight. I base what I'm saying this morning on Romans 10, 14. It says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Isaiah 55, 11 says, My word, it, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. From my mouth it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You now have a responsibility to what God is speaking to you. I have done what God told me to do. I've delivered the message. You have to be the one to make your, your choices, your decisions on what you're going to do with God's word. I pray that you don't walk out these doors doing the same thing and being the same person you were before you came in. God's word is sharp. It's, it's sharper than any, any two-edged sword. It cuts both ways. It cuts on me, too. 